Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you, worship team. You guys always do a great job. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're spoiled. You are spoiled. Uh, go visit somewhere one time and you'll discover you're spoiled, that, uh, that, it, that we've got it good here, and I'm thankful for that, and I don't want us to take that for granted. We've been talking uh, about the concept that uh, the church, unfortunately, and when I talk about the church, I'm talking about Christians that in large part we are empty. Emptiness reigns in the church community. In fact, I've, I told you about a recent study that was done that shows only 11% of believers uh, feel compelled by their faith to do two things. Love God. That cracks. That just blows my mind. They, they don't even feel compelled to love God. Only 11% feel compelled to love God and to love anybody else. So what's the use? If that's how we live, what's the use? And so we've been challenging you to move up to a level of fullness. So we've been reading to you for, this is the seventh week. I've read this passage, two passages of Scripture. We're going to read them again, and then next week we'll move somewhere else. But I want us to get this. Until we get this, we can't move on. John chapter 10, verse 10. Put it on the screen. Remember, we're doing, uh, we're filling in the blank. Instead of they, you insert your name. All right? So here we go. Read it together. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that Steve may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Right? That's the promise he made to us. That's why Jesus came. Then in Colossians chapter 2, same thing. Fill in your name. Uh, here at the end, you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When, you come, when Steve comes to him, that fullness comes together for Steve too. His power extends over everything. Uh, here's a different version. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. It's past tense. It's already taken place. We just don't live up to the right level. And so here's the challenge. I, I have been declaring to you that we need, uh, this will be the sixth because the first week I just challenged you to desire fullness. Over the last uh, five weeks I've laid out for you Five different things that we need to be full of, and today we're going to complete it with the six. I want to remind you of the five. I said that we should be thankful, we should be purposeful, we should be graceful, we should be prayerful, and we should be faithful, right? We should be full, all right? So I want us to continue. So I just need to tell you, I'm going to add one here. This is not the one we're talking about, but in order for you to get today, you're going to have to be truthful. All right, because th this one, I just, I, I'm warning you, all right, here's a public service announcement right here. This one is going to be challenging. And unless you are entirely truthful with yourself about you, then you will struggle to live up to this level that I'm going to call you to today. This may be perhaps the most challenging message in the series because, it's, it's not because 
Scripture doesn't back up this level of fullness. The truth is, is that we can look all through Scripture and see this level of, of fullness portrayed. Our issue is, is not that it's not backed up in Scripture. Our issue is that we have become so incredibly comfortable with living empty of this level of, of, of relationship and life with Jesus that we've grown tolerant of, and, and accepting of excuses and exemptions. So we let ourselves off the hook when it comes to this level that I'm going to call you to today. And the reason we do that is to steal a line from Spider-Man because you get great theology from all the, I'm playing. Uh, But with great power comes great responsibility. And so I think we let ourselves off the hook because we recognize that with great power there also comes great responsibility. And so we make excuses and we give ourselves exemptions. There's only one problem and every parent in the whole house will say amen and that is this. Just because you ignore your responsibility doesn't mean you're not held accountable for that responsibility. Right? You are responsible for cleaning your room and if you choose to ignore that, that doesn't mean I still won't light your behind up if you choose not to clean your room. Room, right? Say amen. Where's Devin? Say amen. Say amen, Devin. Child's out. So, so say amen, Devin. Okay. Just want to make sure we're all, that was that was for my own good. That had nothing to do with. My, I'm just playing. Um, so we need to talk about this. So I want to I want to read two passages of scripture to, to you this morning that will set for us the backdrop of what I'm calling you to. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 11, down through verse 14. Listen very carefully what he says. Jesus is talking. He says, "Believe me." I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see, these works. Stop, pause. It's interesting to me that Jesus validates who he is by what he does. Okay, I'll let you make application. Okay. Uh, the, the, The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Come stop right there one more time. Uh, I called a pastor friend of mine and said, have you ever preached from this passage? He said, no, I'm not touching that. Because we allow ourselves exemptions. He says, the person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Because I, on my way, I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count count on it. From now on, whatever you request, listen to how this goes, because we're going to talk about this. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen, for He is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I will do. Acts chapter 5 beginning of verse 14 down through 16. And more and more believers were added to the Lord, crowds both of men and women. Why? Why did they have no problem getting people to come to Jesus? Keep reading. Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow would fall across some of them as they went by. And crowds came in from the Jerusalem suburbs bringing their sick folks and those possessed by demons. And every one of them was healed. Okay, it's going to get tight in here. 
Because see what Jesus does, Jesus declares and the disciples prove that, our, that if we are living at the level that Christ promised, then we will be powerful. So, so here, here's the issue. Here's, here's the dilemma. You cannot lead people to an omnipotent God if you are living an impotent life. I'm going to amen myself. Uh, you cannot. See, we, we put bumper stickers on our car and we, we clothe ourselves in T-shirts and we try to tell people about an, 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 an incredible God, a powerful God, and then they watch us live a powerless life and they don't want what we've got. And I can't say I blame them one bit. See, our power, powerlessness is a misleading and overwhelming testimony about the God of power and about our identity. You contrast that with the statement that is made, the description, the adjective, the, 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 the declaration made about the disciples in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, which says this, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We testify with no power. And so since we testify with no power, they don't believe us. Okay. The, the, the power that they exhibited in their life made their argument undeniable. Undeniable. I'm going to tell you, when 89% of believers stand up and say, I don't have any compelling reason to love God and no compelling desire to love anybody else, and then we, we want to do our Christian duty, oh, I've got to tell somebody about Jesus, and they, say, they see the sticker on your car that says, honk if I love Jesus, they, they, they go, that's ridiculous, man. Why would I want to honk at you when you just flick me off and you live just like I do? They operated in such power that by Acts chapter 5 that I read to you, the Bible says that there were people being added daily to the kingdom as a direct result of the great power that they demonstrated. So my question then, I, I'm sorry i got to ask this question, but i got to ask this question, is the lack of many being added to the kingdom a, a direct implication and result and ramification of the fact that we have no power? Is that what it means? Nobody's being added. It's a reflection of our emptiness. Jesus' declaration and the disciples' subsequent lifestyle makes us instantly responsible for being powerful people. And then Jesus does this. He establishes a standard by which to judge whether or not we're living to the level that we're supposed to be living. He gives us a litmus test. Here's the grade. The, you remember we used to get uh, report cards that were sent home and we'd try to hide them from parents? Okay, I think we've been trying to hide our report card because here's the report card that Jesus sends out. He says, you will know that you are living like I want you to be living because you will do, here it is, greater things. Hmm. I'm just thinking about the things he did. Walks on water, turns water into wine, interrupts funerals, touches leprous people, and they become whole. Multiplies happy meals. <laughs> confounds the wise. And he says, 
if you would live to the level that I'm calling you to, you would do greater things, greater things. So here's my concern. Here's my concern. I'm just going to say it like this. If we gather together all the things that I've talked about over the last six weeks and we actually embrace them and they become hallmarks of the people that attend this church, but we don't get this one, we have wasted our time. And here's why. If you embrace the idea that we should be thankful people, then people will look at you and say that they are the most appreciative people we've ever met. If you get the idea that and embrace that we should be purposeful, then people will look at us and say they are driven. They are on task. They know what they're about. If, if we embrace the idea that we're to be graceful, then they will look at us and they will say, man, those are the most kind people that I've ever met in my life. If we embrace the idea that we should be prayerful and faithful, then people will look at us and go, those are the most religious people I've ever met in my life. But if we don't have any power, then what happens is they will look at us like all of those things, appreciative, uh, kind, religious, and but they will also go forgetful. They're forgetful. I can forget them. They're forgettable. They have nothing that backs up what they claim. There's nothing that sets them apart. They're just like everybody else. See, my question is how do we get this power that Jesus talked about? If it's a promised level of living for us, how do we get this power that Jesus talked about? Just a couple thoughts and I'll get out of your way. I I think we will become powerful when we are dutiful. All right. In other words, like this, Jesus declared that he was going to leave and that he was assigning us the same work that he did. The same work. So what did he do? Well, he healed. He fed. Pantry commercial. He touched, he raised, he elevated, he intervened, he stood in the gap. And then he looks at us and says, I am leaving you to do exactly what I did. That is our assignment. We become powerful when we do what Jesus did. Okay, all right. Power comes, then he he gives us this, this teaching, just almost, we almost miss it. He says, power comes from asking along the lines of who I am. So in other words, when we're praying, when we're prayerful and we're faithful, what, how, do we, how do we turn that into power? We pray and we believe along the lines of who he is. Who is he? He's a healer. He's a provider. He's a redeemer. Okay, I can't get no help in here this morning. Uh, uh, and then he says, not only ask along what I'm, who I am, ask according to what I do. So we marry our prayers and our faith into this idea that we pray and we ask along the lines of who he is and what he does. And then he turns the pages on us and flips flips it on us and he says, when you pray like that and you ask like that, then I empower you to do what I've been doing. So the disciples illustrate this for us. See, it's when we know who he is and we actually try to do what he did that we become powerful. And the disciples illustrate that for us. This is how they illustrate it. People would gather the sick and the hopeless and they would drag them out into the streets just in hopes that Peter's shadow 
just think about how much power is resident in the disciples that they are praying, God, just let this guy shadow every sick person in the house. Run up to you and lay down right here and, and, and let the disciple walk by. And there's my shadow. The shadow goes by him. I don't touch him. I don't talk to him. I don't give him the time of day. But my shadow goes across him. And they become whole. That, I'm a, that's powerful. That is being powerful. So my question this then is, is this. Does that sound like you? Do the sick folks in your office make a beeline for you when they're sick? I didn't Okay. Do the hopeless change their whole routine in hopes of spending just a moment with you because they know if I can just get with them, my hope will be renewed? Do the broken limp into your path on purpose, trying to find help? And if not, why? Why? What is the difference? Is there some difference between us and, like, Peter that I'm not aware of? Because I don't know what Bible y'all been reading, but I kind of went back and, and examined Peter's life a little bit. Because we, like we like the highlight reels, and his shadow passed over them, and they got healed. But you got to back up, and, and, and that's just the highlight reel. Let's get the background. Because here's the background. He was normal. In fact, he was overlooked. In fact, he was a nominal. He was middle class. He was hardworking. He had a regular job. He was untrained. He was uneducated. He was a loudmouth. He was obnoxious. He was hard-headed. Okay. Then, even though he's normal, he meets Jesus. He gets touched by Jesus. He gets saved by Jesus. He worships Jesus. And then now his shadow, hard-headed, normal, regular job, middle class, untrained, uneducated. Can I offend you and sound, say that that sounds like me? Because I started to say you, but you looked mean at me and I was scared. That sounds like me. That sounds like a lot of you. So what is the difference? So, so why, if we've been touched by Jesus, if we've been saved by Jesus, if we're just normal, hardworking, middle class, untrained, uneducated, regular old folks, loudmouth, hard-headed, obnoxious, opinionated, like to fish. I knew I'd get one out of there. Then, then Why? Why? Why doesn't anybody want to be in our shadow? Too many of us are so empty of power that we don't cast a shadow. All we do is provide shade. So how do an ordinary group of guys become so powerful? They accessed all the power that was available. Listen to me. Okay, this is where it's going to get tight for some of y'all because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come up against all your church experience. Because some of y'all weren't raised in what I was raised in, and some of you were, and I'm going to come against that too. So just hang on. 
an equal opportunity offender this morning. All right? If we are going to be powerful, then we must access all power that is available. Notice that they begin to live up to the powerful life that Jesus had signed to them after they pursued all the power promised to them. And you can see that pursuit begin in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read that to you. Because I know what happens, and, and, and I, I've, I've written this out very carefully because I'm on thin ice here, so just hang with me. Because, All right? I am not going to read Acts chapter two, 2 to you because in a Pentecostal house, so many of us are caught up in the idea of that this is all about praying in tongues, that we have missed the point, that it wasn't even really as much about the tongues as it was about them having the power to act like Jesus. Okay, all right. Because if you make it about tongues, then all we really have is the ability to have more emotions and better church services. And then we wonder why we don't impact anybody. As a verified, tongue-talking, Pentecostal preacher, I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you this morning to push past all the sidetracks and simply begin to pursue all the power that Jesus has promised us. If we can do that, then I do not have an argument about the steps that lead to it because the proof is in the power. Why? Because so many of us that can talk in tongues, we don't operate in any power. Too many of us that claim to be Pentecostal, we don't cast any kind of shadow over sickness. We don't cast any kind of shadow over oppression. We don't cast any kind of shadow over depression. We don't cast any kind of shadow over addiction. We don't cast any kind of shadow over affliction. We don't cast a shadow over any shun at all. We can say shun and a lot of other words behind it, but we have no power and no authority, although we have a prayer language. Give me a break. Come on now. I I want you to preach or speak in tongues. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than anybody. But Paul also preached until a kid falls out of the window and dies and walks down there and goes, sorry, you were bored, dude, and raises him from the dead. Come on. So push past all of your hang-ups and all of that. And I just want you, I just want to say it like this. If you're Pentecostal, great. If you're not Pentecostal, great. I'm just asking you to join me on a power trip. I'm asking you to do this for yourself, not because uh, some preacher stood up and said, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which you do. But rather, pursue it like this. I want all that Jesus has for me. I want to live with such power because I recognize that in the light of the weight of the duty that he left for me, the assignment that he left for me, in light of the assignment to do greater things, I need more power. In the light of, of, of the, the, the situation that's going around, around all around us and the, the society breaking apart, I've got to have more power. In light of the fact that the church has 
almost become more like a self-help seminar than a, a, a place of healing and a place of restoration. I need more power in the light of going to church and people walking out and going, well, if that's all there is, I don't really need that. I'll take my Sunday morning and do something else. I need power in light of the fact that I have friends that are sick that need a touch, in light of the fact that I have family that are broken, in light of the fact that I have co-workers that are in desperate need of a, of a re- restoring touch of Jesus, in light of the fact that I have classmates that I walk by every day of my life that have no hope and have no help and don't know where to turn. In light of all of that, I need power, and I don't want to get hung up on whether it's this way or that way. The proof is in the power. We are to be powerful people. If that means embracing a new experience, then so be it. I'll search it out. If that means asking God for more, then so be it. If that means recalibrating an experience so it's no longer only about a prayer language and it becomes about releasing the the move of the Holy Spirit in my everyday life rather than just in a church service so everybody will notice me, then so be it. If it means refilling, if it means laying down excuses, if it means refusing to give myself an exemption, if it means spending time in his presence and quit becoming so concerned about i got to get out before everybody else, I just want to get in his presence, if it means I being uncomfortable, if it means stepping out of the ordinary, then can we together become so fed up with being empty and having nothing to offer? If we can come to that place, then we can ask God to fill us up so that we will do what Jesus did. And so I started this message by letting you fill in the blanks. I'm going to read a verse of scripture to you, and the blanks are going to be full, but we're going to, I'm going to mess with you because we're going to take the words out. We're not even going to put it up on the screen until we take the words out because you're going to put your name See if this sounds like you. And if it doesn't, then I would suggest to you that you're not powerful and that you need power. Here's the, here's the passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 16. This is one preachers don't like to read either. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. There are, these are some of the signs, some. These, Jesus talking about us, these are some of the signs that will accompany believers. He didn't say, my 12 disciples only. Believers. Pastor Andrew gave a call for salvation, and nobody responded, so that must mean we're all believers. And Jesus said, these will be the signs that will accompany, some of the signs that will accompany my believers. They will throw out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will take snakes in their hands. Darren's shaking his head at me, and I'm with you, brother. We ain't bringing boxes of snakes in here because we're smart. This doesn't say they will check in their brain. It doesn't say they'll get filled with the Holy Spirit and act like an idiot. Lose their mind. They will drink poison and not be hurt. They will lay hands on the sick 
and make them well. All right, Teresa, put it up there. I want you to put your own name. I did this this week. It made me uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Will you do it? These are some of the signs that will accompany Steve. Steve. I don't hear nothing. I'm the only one, huh? Steve will throw out demons in my name. Steve will speak in new tongues. Steve will take snake in, in Steve's hands. Steve will drink poison and not be hurt. Steve will lay hands on the sick and make them well. Back it up, Teresa. We've got to do it again because they didn't read it like they meant it. These are some of the signs that will accompany Steve. Steve will throw out demons in my name. Steve will speak in new tongues. Steve will take snakes in Steve's hands. Steve will drink poison and not be hurt. Steve will lay hands on the sick and make them well. Until we live up to that level right there, we're not powerful. Again, Teresa, we're going to get this. These are some of the signs that will accompany Steve. Steve will throw out demons in my name. Steve will speak in new tongues. Steve will take snakes in Steve's hands. Steve will drink poison and not be hurt. Steve will lay hands on the sick and make them well. You tell me where there's an excuse or an exemption allowed in that statement. Where did Jesus say, oh, well, that's for everybody but Quinn. That's for everybody but Susan. Oh, I know. Y'all, if y'all knew Susan, y'all would know. She, there's an exemption for her because she just, right? Where, where's the exemption for Tim? Tim, sorry, bro. That was for everybody but you. Where, come on now. Where's the exemption for Heather? Sorry, you missed out. We were standing in line. Jesus said all of us could do that but you. Where is the exemption? He just says this. Every believer, these are some of the signs that will follow the believers. What's following you? What is following you? Okay, let me get real personal. What's following me? When's the last time I walked into a room and somebody said, I'm sick? And I ran over and said, oh, it's your lucky day. Bro, you don't even know. When's the last time I walked into a room where somebody was so hopeless that their head was down and they were discouraged. And when I walk in the room, without saying a word, I walk in the room and the atmosphere changes. And they go, hmm, I feel better than I used to feel. I don't even understand. Because, see, if you walk, some of y'all are like, I ain't walking into my work. Doing, okay, you don't have to say nothing. Just be something. I walk into the room and change the atmosphere. Walk into the room one time and all the sickness, hmm, I just feel better than I did. I was all stopped up. And when you walked in the room, I don't know what, you must be like halls or something. I don't know. Uh, but when you walked into the room, something happened and I was able to breathe and, and I was able to smile again and I was able to believe again and I was able to hold on again. Would we just get followed by something? Just something. Something. We must be powerful. Well, we just want our preacher to be powerful. Problem with that, the disciples wanted Jesus to be powerful, but he wanted them to be powerful. We need you to step up and be hands that I can't be, and go places I can't go, and clock in at work that I don't work at. 
set people free. Father, this morning, I'm asking you to fill us up. Fill us up with power. God, I pray that we would be very honest about our lives right now. There are a lot of us in this room that have grown up around a movement called Pentecost. And we've even tasted Pentecost. But we haven't accessed Pentecost. And so it's become about something that it's not really about. And when we begin to speak in new tongues, we pat ourselves on the back as if we've accomplished something and that the journey is over. And then there are other folks in this room that have never been down that route, and so it scares them because of the Pentecostals putting so much emphasis on that part of it. So now, because we are scared of it, we dismiss it. And we abandon a level of power that is ours. It is rightfully ours. Like a good father wants their children to have good gifts. Our Father, I know this. You want us to have everything. You don't want us to, you don't want us to live this life anemic and impotent and powerless. In fact, by the demonstration of your own disciples, it was the power that validated not only who they were, but it validated who you are. And so I'm asking you this morning that we would become so sick and tired of being empty. So sick and tired of being empty that we would just begin to pursue everything that you have for us. Father, I pray right now walls would fall down, distractions cease and desist. Excuses would dry up. Fear would be overtaken. And in its place would become we would become so desperate to do what you did that we would pursue every ounce of power that you have for us. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Stand with me this morning.
Come on, would you go on a power trip with me? what I want you to do. I want you to find a place to pray quickly. Find a place to pray. And I want you just for a few moments in the privacy of this moment, I want you to ask yourself this question. How full am I? Is there anything following me? Is there anything accompanying my testimony? Is there anything going behind what I say with my mouth? Is there anything that validates who Jesus is and who I am? And if the answer is no, then you need to spend a few moments this morning and allow him to fill you up. Well, what does that mean? 
I'm not even going to box that in for you because I don't want you to get caught up in that. I just want proof in the power. I just want you to let him fill you with the power that you need to represent a powerful God in a powerful way. So would you find a place to pray quickly? Find a place to pray. We're not going to tarry long. Just find a place to pray. And just begin to say, am I full? 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 Father I, I had not planned on doing this but I feel directed to do this these are some of the signs that will accompany
passion. Passion will throw out demons in my name. Passion will speak in new tongues. Passion will take snakes in their hands. Passion will drink poison and not be hurt. Passion will lay their hands on the sick and make them well. These are some of the signs that will accompany Chad. Chad will throw out demons in my name. Susan will speak in new tongues. Tim will take snakes in their hand in his hands. Grayson will drink poison and not be hurt. Nico will lay his hands on the sick and make them well. This is getting good. Jeff will throw out demons in my name. JC will speak in new tongues. April will take snakes in her hands. Who else do I know in here? Heather will drink poison and not be hurt. Marsha will lay hands on the sick and make them well. Yeah, you're getting it now. John, you'll throw demons out in my name. Vicky will speak in new tongues. Teresa will take snakes in her hands. Danny will drink poison and not be hurt. Tao will lay hands on the sick and make them well. It's getting better all the time. Hannah will throw out demons in my name. Hallelujah. Jessica will speak in new tongues. Drew will take snakes in his hands. Lauren will drink poison and not be hurt. Come on now. Teresa Shepherd will lay hands on the sick and make them well. Why? Because we're full. That's why. Because we're full. That's why. Because we're full. That's why. So, Father, we take all restrictions off. We take all preconceived ideas and notions off. If it lines up with your word, we embrace it. If it's what you say about us, we embrace it. If it's what you said we could do, we'll do it. We will do it. We will operate like this. These signs will accompany us. They will accompany us. They will follow us. They will validate who we are. But more importantly, they will validate whose we are. Father, I pray that we would not be in that 89%, but instead we would be in the 11% that say that they have a compelling faith to love on you and to love others. I pray that this year, 2017, we would be marked as a people as thankful, as thankful. We would be the most great, grateful people on the planet. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would be the most purposeful people on the planet. We would know our must and we would do it. God, I pray that we would be prayerful. There wouldn't be one moment of our day that is not covered in prayer. I pray that we would be graceful. When people do us wrong, we would offer grace. I pray that we would be faithful. We would believe you for everything that you say. And Father, our lives would be marked with power. The power that you said that we could have. I believe you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody that's full this morning, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise, a hand clap of praise, a hand praise him like you're full.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.